Each of us is on life's journey. Thank you for letting Hi FM provide the soundtrack to your life. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Business success usually comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Join RVK for the award-winning RV on Business Show every Tuesday at 12 midday. It's not about thinking out of the box. There is no box. Only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. It's 10 minutes past 12. Thank you so much for joining us. And it's great to be on the same time zone as you eventually, so I don't have to juggle that hour difference on the time. And uh, I just hope you all had a great week and look forward to a great week coming forward. Elections are behind us. How things will fall, how things will work out and pan out, I don't know. But one thing I do know for certain is that the South Africans will overcome and things will settle and life will go on simply because that's just the way South Africans are. They're resilient, they're resourceful, and what they deserve and what's best for them often is the way that things pan out. But when it comes to investment and business, which this show is all about, we are often stuck in a rut. You know, you'll often find that people say to me, why don't you discuss investments more often? And the truth is because it becomes a little bit repetitive, like a hamster on a wheel. You've got retirement annuities, you've got endowment policies, you've got flexible investments, you know, trusts. And those are your three main sort of vehicles. And then you've got your funds that go in them and all the alternative variations thereof. But it tends to be a little bit repetitive. There's the right product for the right person. But from time to time, something fresh, something alternative comes up. And very often they speak about it and they talk about it and you go on the webinar and then you realize they're not talking to you. They're talking to the ultra wealthy, the super wealthy, the private families that have people looking after the wealth, not the average man in the street. And then things start to change and what was exclusive now becomes mainstream. And that gives me great pleasure to welcome Dina Zucolo as the head of product development and distribution at South Africa's leading SA based alternative asset manager. Well, I suppose the word alternative asset manager is what it's all important. Westbrook Alternative Asset Management. Dino, welcome to Chai FM. Avi, thank you very much for having me and thanks to everyone tuning in and listening this afternoon. Dino, what does alternative mean? Are we going to like start like, I don't know, go to South America and get involved in some dodgy business here? <laughs> I think it's, it's the right place to start. I mean, <laughs> I'm actually, I'm not a fan of the word personally because I think historically the word alternative is sometimes associated with a negative connotation. You know what I mean? You, You see someone that uh, dresses differently, say, oh, they're a bit alternative. You, you know what I mean? I, I'm not sure that it's always used in a positive light, but in the investment world, alternatives really could, could better in my, in my mind be described as private market versions of traditional assets. So, you know, I think you, you positioned it really well, Lovey. You, you know, everyone in South Africa and in investment circles in this country are used to talking about cash. They're used to talking about equities. They're used to talking about bonds, collective investment schemes, and so on. But what are alternatives? Well, alternatives are ways to access those types of investments and more in different forms. So as an example, you know, 
a the, the the buying of a bond, for example, is something that everyone's used to and that many have invested in. But the making of a private loan, so a loan that's unlisted, is the alternative where you could buy, let's say, a stock on the JSE that's in a real estate investment trust or a property company. Making a direct property acquisition is considered alternative, but one must ask oneself the question, is it alternative given that most of your listeners today probably own a home as an example? So, you know, in summary, alternative investing has a big spectrum and it starts all the way from private market versions of traditional assets, frankly, and goes further down the spectrum into things like venture capital, uh, and then you get niche alternatives, um, which are things like, I suppose, you know, classic car collections, art, even, even Bitcoin could fit into that spectrum. So a wide universe um, and something that is a bit complex to unpack. You know, the thing that sort of the, the bell that goes off in my head is that I'm sure most clients would look at you and say, it's all good and well. But when I go to a traditional fund manager the big ones like the Aaron Gallen Grays, the Discoveries, the Momentums, the Investex. I've got people there who are experts at picking funds, building portfolios. And I know that, yes, there'll be ups and downs. There will be yin and yang in the market. That's all good and well. But a classic car collection, a private property investment, you know, doesn't have the same sense of certainty and diligence when it's coming to buy it. In other words, do I have the same security? Mm. Well, you've got the same investment in many instances. I suppose the question to you is the layers in between. And, and that, that is a good question, you know, and ultimately in any form of investing, ultimately you're really taking risk on your manager. I mean, that's that at the end of the day is where I think the most due diligence should be done on any investment because frankly, your manager is the one who's in the detail and your manager is the one who's in control of your investment on a daily basis. Now you're right in South Africa, the big traditional investment houses generally play in the world of traditionals. And that's because in South Africa, we, I suppose we're quite a conservative people and we're a little bit behind the curve when it comes to the uptake of alternatives. I mean, I'll I'll give you some stats just out of interest. You know, generally in South Africa, the allocation of a high net or ultra high net worth individual into alternatives, probably somewhere between five to 10%. There's not good stats on it. And those are anecdotal numbers based on what we see in our business. Offshore, just to give you some idea, institutions on average, according to BlackRock, are 22% allocated to alternatives. Uh, According to UBS, family offices, 35%. And when you move into other institutions, for example, is an interesting stat on the Yale, the Yale University endowment, 75% of what they're invested into is in alternatives. So to answer your question also offshore, there are very, very large, um, alternative asset managers out there that are at the same scale as the big traditional alternative asset managers, the likes of KKR, Brookfield, Blackstone are names that pro- people have probably heard of. In South Africa, Westbrook's probably the only integrated provider of alternatives for clients under a single roof. But my view is that we are fast uh, moving into an ecosystem where allocations to alternatives in client portfolios in South Africa should increase. And I think the reason for that is that uh, people are tired of of the same old, same old. Yes, that's exactly it. And, and just to elaborate a little bit on that, when I had a private family offices for just to drill down a little bit for our listeners, those are companies or organizations that really deal with high net worth individuals and they deal with private families on a holistic basis. So they really deal with the day-to-day stuff. 
um, the the workings of which the average South African would have no idea about. But you know that um, that expression, the rich get richer and the poorer get poorer. What we hear here is that if the private offices are going or the family offices are going into alternatives, they've got something, they know about something, and they're prepared, prepared to, take, to take risk. And it's not because you've got money that you can lose money. It's often because you've got money because you've made it and you've maintained it and you've made clever choices. Um, do you know, we need to take a quick ad break, but when I come back, I just want to continue on that thought and maybe also just discuss the regulation around investing in retirement funds in alternatives. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back with you in a moment. This is RV on Business. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. And on the line with me is Dina Zucolo, who is from Westbrook, the alternative asset management company. You know, sorry, I'm scrambling at the moment because I've just lost the page. I found it again. Sorry about that. You know, as we were saying before, is that clearly there's something there to be had because people who know and people who are used to investing on an ongoing basis are going there. When it comes to the average South African, can they use alternative assets from a retirement point of view or is it only from a flexible investment point of view? Hmm. So one of the things I suppose that we need to look at when answering that question, Avi, is regulation and the rules yes. around accessing products. And it's probably a contributing factor to the slow take-up of alternatives in South Africa is that you know, we, we do have a very complex set of legislation in, in your question in retirements, sort of generally that fits into a piece of law called CISCA, or the Collective Investment Schemes Control Act, that governs any form of pooled investment vehicle and says what you can and can't invest into. Now, most of people's retirement savings sits in things like pension funds and retirement annuities and so on and so forth. The problem is in South Africa, those funds by and large, and I mean, these are sweeping statements, but they're principles. Those funds by and large are not allowed to hold alternatives. And there's reasons for it. The primary reasons are that one of the, one of the trade-offs of, of investing in an alternative is that you've got to lock up your money for a period of time. So let's use my example of the direct property that we spoke about earlier. You know, to realize a value out of that property, you might need to hold it for five years. But during that time, you can't get your money out. And collective investment schemes in South Africa are designed in such a way that clients are able to get their money out either daily or monthly or quarterly. So you you generally at this point will not have exposure to alternatives through your retirement savings and so on. But I think it's also important to point out, Avi, that you know, no one is suggesting that clients in, invest their retirement savings into alternatives. And certainly, if you look at the allocations in the first world, you know, alternative allocations are somewhere between 10 and 30% of a client portfolio. It's not the majority, but it's an element of diversification in a portfolio that gives clients something different that allows them to potentially enhance their returns. And also importantly, is this concept of if your retirements go up in value, maybe alternatives won't. Or the corollary to that, which for me is more important, is that if for whatever reason your portfolio decreases in value, which may or may not be you know, related to the actual investment you've made, alternatives might move in a different direction. And that diversification is essential. And that's really what it's all about. It's about the diversification and sort of moving away from the traditional and looking at an alternative which would give you an edge in certain areas. And, you know, let's talk briefly about Westbrook Alternative Asset Management. I've been on the site. I've had a look. I've gone around. 
We've got offices both in South Africa, in the UK, and in the States. I see in South Africa, you guys like property that is related to student accommodation, um, a, a clever, a clever niche to get into. Tell us a little bit about the company, who started it, where it was started, and, and how it runs on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, sure. So Westbrook has its roots in private equity. The business actually started in the early 2000s as a private equity investment business, taking controlling stakes in businesses. I mean, today, as an example, the Westbrook Group is still the majority shareholder of the Currycraft Group, as an example, um, which has Currycraft and Volpe's and Dialabed and all sorts of different things in it. But out of this private equity business came Westbrook Alternative Asset Management, where the genesis, Avi, is, is quite simple. You know, as as you invest more and more into interesting things, you have friends and family and people ask if they can participate alongside you. And that really was where Westbrook Alternative Asset Management came from. You know, our principles invested into interesting things. And so an asset management business was born. Today, we have more than 7 billion rand under management. We've got well over one and a half thousand clients. As you mentioned, we have offices in South Africa, in London and in the USA. And our mission is to provide a South African client. And that client can be a individual, retail investor, ultra high net worth individual, family office, even an institution with access to the world of alternatives. And for me, that word access is key. You know, alternatives by and large, historically, you had to be a billionaire or close to it to, to get these things. You know, even so today with the big offshore alternative asset management companies, you, you've got to have very, very large amounts of money to put in with them. And even so you're, you're in South Africa, which is far away. So Westbrook's mission is to change that and to provide a South African with access to these things. Um, we play across four key silos uh, from an investment perspective. I mean, we don't play in the super risky area of alternatives. It's not our game. We're not into classic car collections and art and those kinds of things. We're into what I said earlier, the private market versions of traditional assets. So we do private debt. Um, we have a business called hybrid capital, which is sort of somewhere where debt meets equity. We then do real estate, direct real estate investing around the globe in equity. Uh, and then we do a little bit of venture capital and private equity for our clients on the side. So, you know, really what it's about is that if one had to come to Westbrook, Westbrook actually manages the investments that they are putting you into. You guys are not brokers. You're not agents for other um, people. You're not looking at diversifying into other people's. It's not a fund of funds. It's your direct assets that you're looking to put into. Um, Stephen just wants to know now, maybe tongue in cheek, um, you know, if you guys have done so well, is there still room for people to participate or are you fully subscribed on your asset, on your property asset portfolios? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. So look, the, you know, there's, there's always space for clients. Um, and you're right. Our transactions do fill up relatively quickly. But, you know, we as a business are growing as, as is the, the sector. And so, you know, as we grow, we, we do make more and more allocation available for clients. I think the, just to give clients or, or listeners a bit of a spectrum, you know, the, the minimum ticket sizes has been something we focused on a lot. We want to try and make this more accessible to a South African. We are bound by legislative requirements, which by and large in South Africa mean that you need to invest a million rand or more with us because then you're deemed to be sophisticated and some of the, some of the regulatory requirements fall away at that level. Um, but there are other products of ours where we have managed to increase the legislation and regulation of them where we, where we take less. So absolutely we are available. We are open for business and there's a very wide spectrum 
of things that are available for the listeners. Um, I think you just hit a raw nerve because I've got two SMSs to you, one after the other asking. Um, the one says, yeah, at a million rand, can I come in together with a group of friends, let's say 10 people at 100,000 rand each under one title? The, the answer is theoretically yes. It's a bit complicated to do, but theoretically yes. Okay, so in other words, the, the truth of the matter is that it's a wonderful concept. It's a great idea. The average South African would have to get onto alternative assets via a fund manager because then they could then use the far smaller amounts to access it. Um, but it would really take a considerable amount of money to get in and to, and to access mm. it so they could take advantage of it. Going forward, what is the scenario going to be, do you think, in five years' time with alternative <coughs> assets? Do you think it will become an asset class that we will talk about more comfortably and more freely? Look, Avi, my view is if we take a look at what's happened in North America, in Europe, in the UK, you know, this is not something that's new to them. This concept of, I mean, I think it's a generational trend, actually, this concept of disintermediation of putting a client more directly uh, alongside what they're invested into and cutting out these middle layers of people and brokers sitting in between, which just ramp up fees and complexity and regulation and, and all sorts of things. In my mind, in five years' time, when we say alternatives, the average South African will know what they are. They'll understand the players in the market. And hopefully they'll have begun to have some form of an allocation into the asset class. If we, if we are successful, hopefully in years to come, the access points for the average South African to invest in alternatives will become easier. It will be digital based. You'll be able to go onto a website to take a look at what's available and to invest. And hopefully in five years time, people will be putting smaller amounts in. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know, maybe with inflation, smaller amounts will be bigger amounts. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, um, the, again, a, a lot of people are asking the idea about Rand Hedge. Um, you know, mm. going to alternatives with you where you've got a portfolios in South Africa, the UK and the US, are they actually hedging the Rand? Are they getting Rand um, or currency advantage by diversifying, diversifying across different geographic locations into different portfolios in different countries. Um, so, so that's question number one. And what I would like to know is if I invest with, with your company, with Westbrook, would I be able to, for example, say in five years time, I'd like to cash out, but please deposit it in you in an account offshore rather than local, which can yeah. be done through certain asset managers at the moment. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, it's all the question everyone's asking because I think by and large, South Africans are looking to diversify, not just into different types of products, but into different currencies and geographies as well. So the answer to the question is that generally, as a rule of thumb, where you invest from, from an inward perspective is where the money must come out. So there are complex concepts, which include the likes of something that's called asset swaps. So sometimes what clients do is they invest in a local company in South Africa or a local, you know, pooled investment vehicle, whatever it may be that takes that money offshore. Now, that can be done in different mechanisms. You can use something that's called asset swap. Uh, you can get an actual allowance to take the money offshore. And that vehicle can then invest into offshore in, in products, in, in this case, alternatives. The advantage there is that if the RAND depreciates to, say, the dollar or the pound, 
you will receive your money back at the higher rate because your investment that you've made is an offshore hard currency denominated investment. The downside to that scenario is that by and large, if you invest in rands, your return must come back to you in rands as a consequence of prevailing laws. Now, who knows what will happen in the future? The Saab are in the process of relaxing exchange control regulations. Um, but what we often see with clients is the two types of clients. There's clients who want rand hedge, but they don't mind their money coming back in rands. The scenario that I just explained to you then works for that. A pooled local investment vehicle, you put your money in rands, you get a dollar or pound or, or euro return, and then it comes back to you again in rands. The other option, though, if you really want to genuinely diversify and externalize your capital, you as a client need to use your own allowances from an exchange control perspective to take the money offshore. So you actually need to convert your hands into foreign currency and invest offshore. Obviously, you'll still pay tax on that investment in South Africa if you're a South African taxpayer. Um, but the benefit there is that at the end, your money will come back to you in whatever the hard currency is that you put it in in the first place. So there is the flexibility to do that, but it's clearly one needs to know what they're doing up front when they get involved and, and take it from there and yeah. go forward. If I may, um, Avi, just, sure. just on that point, I mean, a lot of what we've, com- of what we've discussed, you'll see is complicated, right? And for me, there's two, there's two key points that come out of that. The first is that it is, it is the example or the reason that investing with an asset manager that has experience and a track record of doing this is so important because at the end of the day, you're relying on the Westbrooks of the world to make these decisions from a product perspective. But also a lot of our clients have used wealth managers in between yes. ourselves and themselves. And wealth managers, I can't emphasize the value of uh, their role enough. You know, these are guys who are experienced and phase accredited professionals that are qualified to give advice based on your facts and circumstances. And so, you know, what I would suggest is that if you are a client, you may be not uh, totally alternatives literate yet, chat to your financial advisor, ask them, do you allocate to alternatives? And if they don't challenge them, get hold of Westbrook and and let's have a conversation. That for me is is the the place to start. A hundred percent. And as I'm listening to you, I'm actually going to your website, just trying to see, the different areas that, that one can go into because a lot of people, and I think we'll, we'll end on this, is is on debt. A lot of people are asking, it's all good and well to get into debt and to compare debt to a debenture or to a bond. It's, that's all good and well. But the bottom line is the beauty about a bond is it's backed by a government. Sometimes the government can be a little bit shaky, but it's, you know, it's backed by a government and you're going to get your return, you're going to get your capital back. Here, you know, you've, Packaged debt, putting it together. We all know what happened in the last major crash is that the, we had what we called ninja bonds that were just flying around the market where there was debt with basically nothing behind it and beautifully packaged and they just poofed into nothing. Practically, what is private debt and how is it managed? Mm. So, so just as a, as a response to that statement, I mean, you're absolutely right. Many bonds are, are government bonds and issued by the sovereign. But if you look at South Africa's composition of high-income funds and other fixed-income products, a lot of the instruments in those funds, I'd say the majority of the instruments in those funds are not government bonds. They're bonds or credit instruments issued by companies in South Africa. It's just that they're listed. So what is a private loan or what is private debt? It's making a loan to a company from anyone other than a bank. So as an example, if Westbrook makes a loan to someone, that would be considered a private loan because we're not a bank. 
Whereas if a bank issues a loan, it's more traditional lending. Now, why has private debt become so popular, Avi? Well, because interest rates are at record lows. You know, in South Africa, our, our prime rate sits at seven. In places like the UK, where we're quite active, your return on cash is pretty much zero. I mean, if even in South Africa, if you've got money sitting in your bank account, you're probably earning oh, three, three and a half percent on it max. Correct. Now, we've got a lot of clients who are saying, guys, I've got money. I don't necessarily want to put it into equities or stock markets where there's a lot of capital risk. But it's burning a hole in my pocket because what do I do with it? And that's why private debt has become one of the world's fastest growing alternative asset classes. We've got a lot of investors out there who are looking to enhance their yield. And private debt with Westbrook can give you double, in some instances more, than those sort of returns that I've just quoted, without necessarily needing to move you too far up the risk curve. Obviously, the best risk you can ever have is to the sovereign. I mean, some some people in South Africa might debate that. Um, but you know, again, the good principles of investing should always imply, apply. You need to have diversification. You need to not have too much of your eggs in any one basket. You should have a spread of underlying investments and all of those good things are still incorporated in a well-managed private debt fund. You know, if people want to get hold of you and speak to you without going through, um, you know, a whole complicated mission, how do people get debt? directly to somebody who can help them, sit down with them, and give them the conversation that we've just had? Yeah, uh, no problems. Look, I think there's a couple different access points for Westbrook. The best way to do it, you mentioned our website. Our website we've uh, designed in such a way that it can give a client tons of information on what's available, but also you can get hold of us straight through the site. That's www.westbrook.co.za, W-E-S-T. B-R-O-O-K-E. There's an E on the end. A lot of people like to forget that. Or you can get in touch with us. It's uh, info at wam-sa.com, W-A-A-M-S-A.com. Or you can email me directly, dino at westbrook.co.za. It's a great website. Just remember, you need to scroll down a little bit to get to, to all the bits and pieces. There's a beautiful picture there of Dino in uh, many different places, uh, all looking good there. Um, Dino, but again, thank you so much for coming on. And I'm sure that when we speak in a year, to, a year's time or as time goes by, this will become more and more and more common. And um, because besides the access to this type of investment, what is happening is that the average African investor is becoming more and more sophisticated. And that, that graph is really pushed up by the access to information and the ability to get information very quickly and very efficiently. So thank you very much. We will chat to you later, um, hopefully in about a year's time, and we'll see where you go from there. Thanks, Malavi.